Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Everything that we do every day, we want to be a champion. Get your mind right and let's go. Do the little things. Win every day. It's a surplus they play so far. Everything with an attitude. Alabama. Yes. I don't give a shit who we're playing. Young men play against them and make his ass quit. That's our framework. That's our MO with the team. Richardson breaks free on the sideline. End zone. This is a mauling, folks. A mauling. Fear the tide, honey badger. I- Hello and welcome to another edition of the Alabama Football Podcast. Tom, what was all the hype about? Man, our score prediction, you know, we got the, we got the margin of victory correct. We just, um, you know, although I like the outcome better, uh, obviously um, they said this was the sixth shutout uh, for LSU since 1996. And uh, the fi- that's the fifth time it's been Alabama doing it. So while I liked our score of forty something to the teens, I like this score better because they had a they had a big donut. Yeah, I liked uh, I liked the donut. I also like and and you know we play them in Baton Rouge every other year, and it just so happens that you know la- last time two years ago we beat them you know ten to nothing, and so what that would have been two thousand sixteen, and so two thousand eighteen we beat them twenty nine to nothing, and so projecting out into the future, in two thousand twenty, as we prepare for that game. I can, you know, I can see into the future. The headlines will be Alabama or uh, LSU has not scored on Alabama in Death Valley in six years. And that'll be awesome. And so the future me is already excited about reading those headlines. The only problem with that theory is two years from now, Tua will be a senior. And I don't know that we'll see him in red. And um, obviously, uh, you know, his little brother might end up, you know, following through on on his uh, on his commitment, you know, when it comes time to signing day. Um, but, you know, there's a little bit of a question mark there. Right. Because, um, you know, is Tua going to be like Peyton Manning and stay around because he wants to or is he going to go because he can? So we'll have to that can be another show, but we'll have to see. Yeah, let me let me just go ahead and clean that up for you. Uh, in two years, Tua will be a rookie. <laughs> <laughs> Well, um, I will tell you real quick that, you know, we talked on the show last uh, time about how, you know, when Devin White came into the game, you know, it wouldn't be a game when he got to come in in the second half. And, you know, I will tell you for LSU fans, you know, keep an eye on Patrick Queen uh, because his backup, uh, you know, played quite well. Obviously, this is an Alabama podcast, but his backup finished with nine tackles for the game. And um, I I don't think LSU fans can use that as a reason, I guess is what I'm saying. 
But uh, Patrick Queen finished with nine tackles in the first half, and Devin White comes in and gets him eight tackles uh, in his half of you know football in the second half. But you know it wasn't quite the game wasn't out of reach. Um, we would have liked it to be a little bit different of a margin, you know, a little more points there at halftime. Uh, but I, I don't think that Devin White, you know, changed this game either way is what I'm saying. No, I don't think so either. And, and when we, we flip the field and go to defense, I, I've got almost like a little mini rant, you know, keyed up to to talk about what I think the, the biggest factor in, in, and I'll call it LSU losing the game or sort of giving it away. And it was not Devin White. I mean, he's it, look, I mean, like you said, he got eight tackles in the second half. And so clearly, clearly a very talented player. Uh, right. But much like we predicted, and and we didn't do a pregame show necessarily. I I, I kind of wish we had, but we talked about this game in the Tennessee wrap up and go back and listen to that if you missed it, right? Because everything we said there, I, I think sort of manifest uh, itself. You know, by the time Devin White comes back, the game will be over. It will not have mattered that he missed the first half. And you can look on the scoreboard and 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 see, well, it was 16 to nothing. So maybe he can come back and contribute. But dude's not scoring touchdowns and their offense was as inept as it gets. And so bringing back a, a you know, a middle linebacker doesn't help you. It doesn't put points on the board. And at that point in the game, their defense had been on the field for so long that, I mean, he was coming in fresh, but the rest of the, the rest of the unit was gassed. Of course they had an injury in the secondary and, and that hurt them uh, a little bit more. And so, um, would they have done a couple of things differently early in the game had he been there? Yes. At the end of the day, would that have made a difference? Absolutely not. And look, he's a talent. He's going to be a first-round pick. He's going to be a you know all the things you want to say, but he alone would not have swayed the balance had he played you know thirty more minutes of ball. No, absolutely. And I guess that's what I was pointing out with Patrick Queen's performance, right? Because he he had nine tackles right, in the right. first half and Devin White has eight in the second half. So that position got 17 freaking tackles in the game, which is ridiculous, right? That's a great number. Um, but yeah, because, there wasn't a void. You're, and, yeah, and, correct. And, yeah, you yeah. said it more cleanly, I guess. There yeah. wasn't a void, right? We didn't exploit a a weakness in the middle because there really wasn't. No, absolutely. Now, I will say, looking at their depth chart, that obviously John Battle's injury on the first offensive play for Bama for the game is that prop. Did that probably, you know, make a difference? Some yes, because yeah. he was their only fifth-year senior on the defense. Okay, and so, and he is, you know, that would be like us losing Minka Fitzpatrick on the first, you know, offensive play of a game last year. So obviously, I do think that that he made a material difference not being there. Do I think it would have changed the outcome of the game? No, because like you said, LSU couldn't, you know, couldn't score really. I will say that the strong safety, uh, the sophomore uh, Grant Delpit, um, you know, dude, going back and looking at that play where he got a shot on Tua, the sideline judge is throwing his flag and running to the, running into the play. And I was not impressed with the referee at all. Um, he, he just kind of slowly lumbers his way in and you and I have seen situations where they sprint in and hold their hands up and, and they, you know, they don't let anybody get a a clean shot on a free shot on the quarterback. And not only did he get a free shot, but he said, you know, it's kind of funny with the whole targeting, right? It's all about the helmet. Well, he, he leaps, you know, off his feet leads with his helmet 
doesn't use his hands at all. You know, it makes you wonder if he was going for the knee, but he ends up getting him, you know, right there in his waist area, which is, you know, not good either. And um, I, I'm just surprised that, you know, I guess the rules of the game doesn't allow for a penalty there. But I, I was I was hoping he was going to get tossed, you know, a little bit later when they had the other call, just because I, I wasn't imp- I wasn't impressed with that. I'm not saying they were gunning for him, but I, I'm not impressed with how how low he went there. And they're all about not going low on the quarterback. And I was surprised that there was no warning or nothing. They didn't talk to him. Nothing happened. Yeah, no, nothing that nothing that was that was visible. And I think that you know even the TV crew sort of sort of blew it off on, uh, you know, hometown, you know, crowd and they're so loud and ha ha, you know, all of that. And, and, and you're right. I think it is sort of lazy officiating because it, you know, how often it, it was almost like whistle play stop and the official sort of saunters in, but how many times do you see, you know, the official waving in, there's almost a franticness to it. The officials running in, waving his arms, whistle, 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 whistle. And, and so like everyone knows, uh, but you didn't see that. You didn't see that at all. Um, you know, and of course, my heart did sink when when he was slow getting up. And um, <laughs> to quote to quote Tua, he said he was hitting the goodies, uh, <laughs> which okay. And uh, uh, and then Saban, and you know, sort of man to man, you never want to see someone you know uh, experience that. But I thought Saban was stone cold when he said. Um, he said, "Well, when I heard that's where he was hit, I was kind of glad that's where he was hit." And I thought, "Man, that is that is savage, and I can't find myself disagreeing." <laughs> no, that's true. I just, you know, I, I guess the rules of the game doesn't allow for a penalty flag there. Um, but you know, I guess I'd like to think that if the situation was reversed, you know, I, I just don't. I yeah. just don't think we would have gone low like that. And maybe that's, oh, you're a homer. But I would like to think that had the situation been reversed, we we would not have. So. Yeah, and, and and look, I think they could have thrown a flag. I mean, there's there are personal fouls and, and unnecessary roughness that happens after a play or after a whistle all of the time. So I don't think it was um, – I, I don't think it was outside of the rules for them to have thrown a whistle. I just think they they sort of – they were sort of in the moment of that was, you know, you, you didn't hear my whistle. So, okay. And, and they sort of got wrapped up into that. And I, I did think it was interesting when um, I did think it was interesting when, you know, the player had an opportunity for uh, you know, on the rugs hit and he was called for targeting. Um, I, I probably didn't think it was targeting, but it was close enough where I've seen, you know, players uh, you know, could have been and, I thought, man, you know, the officials were like, damn, if we call this targeting, they will storm the field on us. And so I do wonder if there wasn't a, a, a little bit of that. So for all the all of sort of the the breath, breathlessness around, you know, conspiracy theories, I think there's there's two instances right there where truly that was not the case. Truly, the officials were not trying to uh, prop up Alabama because, you know. Not at all. Not at all, because that could have been, you know, when an official misses a call and there's a, you know, makeup call. I actually thought that was a great opportunity yeah. to 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 make it right and kick him out of the game, and so I think there I, th- I think the officials were and and this goes back to the to the to the head ref who I was not impressed with because right after the play with Tua, when Tua tries to come back in the game, it's not the head official 
who notices that he's come in. Right. It's one of the sideline judges who runs in and educates the center official on the rules yeah. that he has to set out of play. And so I don't know if he was just sipping his coffee and had his fuzzy slippers on or what, but I, I was not impressed with the officiating from those two plays, like led something to be desired from the center ref. Yeah. I, yeah, I think that's fair. I, I, uh, I, I don't disagree. I think for the, for the by and large, you know, I, I was okay with the officiating, but I think there were a couple of things there that were, uh, and you're right. It was funny that it was, that it was another official. It wasn't the, the primary, uh, the head official that, that caught that, uh, you would think that that would be, you know, something that, that they should have been just right on top of, but, uh, but they were not, um, I don't know. That's curious. Well, let's, uh, let's dip a toe into, into offense, <clears throat> you know, Tom, uh, you know, Tua did look human, but he still led an offense that put up almost 600 yards. Uh, he had almost three himself. You know, he did throw a pick, but two touchdowns and, uh, and he had a nice little gallop, uh, for a touchdown. Uh, that's one of the things that stood out to me on offense, but, uh, what else uh, jumps out to you? All right. So I'm going to break the rules here. Okay. Okay, because you, you've had segments about people in the past. And so obviously we've talked about how great Tua has been and, and how well he's played. And we'll get to that in a minute. Sure, sure. But first of all, we've got to we need the listeners to to email us uh, some ideas for what to call this segment. But it is long overdue uh, to have a Quinn and Williams segment. And I'm sorry. I, I think we got to start here. We can't oh, flip you're the field. On defense. No, no, we're not. We're going to come back to offense. But, but, but he, he earns the recognition of not even waiting to flip the field. Okay. Wow, you're going. I, to I'm sorry, dude. Dude, I'm sorry. The guy, the guy looks to me like he was playing hurt. He'd come out for a play, come back in for a play, come out for a play, come back in for a play. You know, this guy was. I looked him up. He was ranked 106 in the nation coming out of high school. Uh, we can thank Bo Davis and Mario Cristobal uh, for him committing on June 30th of 2015. Um, and, you know, this guy comes in at 6'4", 265, homeboy, uh, you know, homegrown boy, Birmingham, Alabama. But we, we've talked about this kid, okay? And we've talked about this kid for a few weeks, and we've 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 recognized him. But I think the performance that he had in this game was was Terrence Cody-like in the Tennessee-Bama game. He didn't block any field goals, but the guy finished with 10 tackles, seven solos, two-and-a-half sacks, three-and-a-half tackles for loss. No offense to any of the other front seven guys, but I think his performance in this game was beyond ridiculous. There were times where he would just go right through the center and the left guard. There were times that he would go through two linemen and then be chipped by a running back and throw him back two yards back. And so I, I had to start there, man. I mean, there dude gets a big old, big old game ball, okay? Because, because I, I think his performance was just off the charts. Wow, give Tom a week off and he's going to remake the whole deal. Um, look, I think that's awesome. I think I think Quinn and you know the big Q. I think um, you know the biggest sort of 
and this will, you know, I'm gonna pull my 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 shoulder, uh, congratulating ourselves. I'm so glad we've been talking about him all season, because the last like two weeks that seems to be the trendy story. People asking about uh, Quinnen and his draft stock, and he's moving up the board, and he makes more money with every you know play he makes because he's going to be drafted that much higher, and you know all of that stuff. And and I just say, man, I'm glad we've been talking about Q all season long. Um, and in fact, you know, even the pregame uh, or the preseason uh, show when we talked about uh, the defense, we were talking about this guy being uh, one of the key contributors uh, stepping in. And so I feel, and as jerky as this may sound, I feel more, you know, with every sort of passing week, I feel more and more vindicated, you know, that this is the guy that's going to step in and contribute. This is the guy that's going to step in and play. And on what has been for the for the Tide, the biggest stage of the season, he just does more of what he's been doing, which which is awesome. He, I mean, not only did he just do what he's been doing, but he did more of it, um, you know. And, and and so to your point, he was injured sort of in and out. You know, I, I my breathing almost start and stopped with, is he leaving the field? Is he coming back on? What's he doing? Should he just not come back on anymore? You know, all of those kinds of things. But then he would come in and make a big play. And, and and uh, yeah, I mean, dude, is, is fun to watch. I'd, I'd heard an interview with Jonah saying, and Jonah said something to the effect that, hey, I'm glad that he's doing this to everyone else because then we don't feel so bad in practice when he does this to us every day. Uh, and I thought that was funny. And then like the big thing that Danielson kept saying, and I didn't hear this necessarily in an interview, but Danielson kept saying, it's like, you know, blocking Quinn is like trying to block a 300 pound bar of soap. I was like, I get it. You know, that's the dude's tough to tough to get mitts on and, and keep them out. And, you know, he certainly demonstrated that on Saturday, you know, two and a half sacks, uh, 10 tackles. Uh, I mean, he was he was certainly the bell cow on uh, on defense. So. Well, and dude, uh, the stats, but, but 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 dude, the stats, right? For a right. nose guard, yeah, yeah, for a nose guard that was double and triple teamed, dude. We we've talked about great players on the front line at Alabama and 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 how well they've played, dude. This might be one of the as far as like catching the eye test in one game, dude. Th- this might be the top performance I've seen from a front guy with their hands in the dirt, much less the nose guard yeah. for the past decade. No, no offense to Jonathan Allen and all these guys that came before them, but did any of them have the kind of game that he just had? I don't think so. Well, you know, yeah, I think that'd be interesting. Jonathan Allen probably somewhere along the way, but but, but your point is valid. I think I think you know what he did. I think stands alone, and 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 I, you know I don't want to say that it's better than you know Ashawn Robinson's games. No, or, you know, no. But, but if you if you were to if you were to go look, what are their best performances? Than they than what Quinn did would stack up, or, or and, what, you know, and what's so and what I'm sorry, what's so huge about this, Dave, is that is that you know when Jonathan Allen and some of these other guys were doing the impact that they did, right? And they're obviously was really good players, right? They're doing it from the edge. Yes, yes. This guy is coming up the middle and beating two guys, and so the I mean, he's like in the <laughs> it's the worst possible thing for an offense because he's right there in the backfield, in the center of the backfield between the tackles. Time after time after time after time. Yeah, and yeah, he, he is, and and so he starts to affect the play. You know, you could point last year to Deron Payne having a couple of couple of games or a couple of moments, you know, like that. But when you're in the middle like that, you know, you're literally one step, 
you know, especially quarterback under center, you're one step away. Uh, and, and that seems to be the big push with even in the NFL is if you can get someone slippery, someone inside that can beat blocks, then, you know, geometrically, they're just that much closer to the quarterback. Uh, that you know, then coming off coming off the edge, and you completely burst the pocket as opposed to hey, we can roll the pocket or move the pocket or run outside of the pocket. I mean, you've blown it up. You've burst the pocket, you know, half a second into the play. That's a that's a weapon. And I think you mentioned you mentioned Cody, um, and I think that on on one hand, I, I get your point, right? It's a disruptive force in the middle, uh, but on the other hand. Cody and Quinn are completely different players and completely different, you know, body types and structures. Yes. The way that you, that they are schemed into a, a defensive front, it really points to, um, and I don't want to say genius of Saban and all that kind of stuff, but the evolution of defense in college football is, it, you know, there's your bookends, like literally, you know, from, from one, approach to another that there's, there's sort of the evolution of a nose guard. Yes. No, absolutely. I just meant the impact he made in that game, that, yeah. that Alabama-Tennessee game, you know, versus the impact this kid made, you know, in this game. Um, well, one of the things that jumps out, um, so please email us, give us your thoughts. We, we got to have a we got to have a headline here for, you know, because I have a feeling that that, you know, there might be opportunities to have a segment here in the in the weeks ahead. Um, you know, I want to say kudos to Jerry Judy and uh, Jalen Waddell. Um, and uh, their ability to be in the game the entire game yep. with uh, Devonta Smith not able to to be out there a whole lot from what I saw and, and rugs getting banged up, you know, you know, into the game. You know, these two guys, you know, don't know how they have the endurance they have, uh, one being a true freshman, but these two guys, uh, being out there the entire game and and with a thin receiving core when we go three and four wide in our formations, um, just kudos to them to be out there as much as they were. Uh, Derek Keefe had to come in and, and play some, and then we saw some Terrell Shavers. But yep. I, you know, obviously Judy had a great uh, you know had a great game and made a lot of good plays. But you know, just kudos to those two guys, right? With already a, you know, we only run four deep in our receivers, and two of them are not in there really. And just wanted to talk about just kudos to those two guys for for stepping up and and you know playing the way they did. Yeah, I think you know if you look at it, you know, game over game, you know, they must have been like, I've not run so many routes <laughs> in a game since you know high school. Um, and so you know that was good that they were able to step up. You know, Henry Ruggs. Uh, you know, got dinged up and, you know, reports are that he's going to be okay. Uh, uh, you know, x-rays were, were negative, uh, which is positive. And, uh, and, and the irony on rugs is when he got hit, he got sort of dinged. It didn't look, you know, went back and watched it and it didn't look like, oh, gruesome. That's where it happened. It just, it, it just somewhere in the play. And the irony is, uh, and we've talked about this before, it, it happened when he was blocking. And so that should not be evidence that a receiver shouldn't block, but it just is again evidence that these guys are willing to go in there and mix it up and be physical, even though they're not maybe the biggest guys. Uh, but uh, but they were certainly able to do that, and so glad that that he's going to be okay, and certainly glad that uh, um, 
you know, like, like you said, that they, they perform so well. Waddle is, has definitely progressed. I know he's technically still a true freshman, but, you know, the old saying about at this point of the season, no one's a freshman. And so he sort of, he sort of exemplifies that. And then Jerry Judy just, you know, you know, 103 yards, eight catches. I mean, he's just going to work. He just does what he does. I wish well, you could also, have no, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I, I wish you could have gotten a touchdown, but just the fact that, you know, 103 yards, eight catches, uh, I mean, dude's as good as we've seen. Well, unfortunately, he would have had a touchdown. Uh, you know, whoever called this when one of their cornerbacks had to come out for a play, uh, they went after the cornerback covering Judy um, on that interception, um, and he was open. And unfortunately, they blitzed off the the edge in the slot, and uh, we did not pick it up. And um, uh, unfortunately, uh, uh, Alex Leatherwood tried to float out uh, and get the guy, but couldn't get the guy quick enough. And so he affected the timing, and Tua had to step up. Yeah. And then when he threw the ball, the safety had a t- had chance to come over and and help out. But I think had he thrown the ball when he wanted to, it would have been a very easy touchdown between the hashes. Uh, Judy had his guy beat by five yards. Yes. Yeah, I, I agree. He 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 was late throwing the pass for the reasons that that you said, and that did give you know the safety time to get over. And that's a heads up play by the safety because how many times do we not see the safety get over for you know for that? And so Tua sort of pirouettes into a platform where he can throw from, and the receivers you know still open. So the fact that Todd Harris was able to to get over there. Uh, I think he was their leading tackler and, and, you know, the interception. So he was the secondary guy that really sort of, uh, you know, took center stage in my mind. And, you know, that's a hats off play on his part, because how often do we see the safeties not get there or can't get there or they've bit on, you know, some eye candy up front uh, and they're not able to get there. And so the fact that, you know, two or threw it down there, was not expecting that the safety, because it's never happened, that the safety can get there. Uh, and then, you know, in effect, it was a long punt. So as, a, as an INT, it didn't hurt us. But, uh, but yeah, I, 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 you're exactly right. Had he hit that on, you know, in stride on time, um, yeah, I think that would have been certainly a big play, probably a touchdown. Well, what's interesting, this just speaks to the talent of LSU, right? Their two leading guys on the stat line was Todd Harris and Patrick Queen, both both guys who had to come in for injured players. Yes. So that just goes to show you, you know, LSU. Well, hey, it was good to see um, Damian Harris get the start, yep. and uh, it was good to see him break that 100-yard barrier for the first time. It really was, and is this was one of those things, and, and you know, we've kind of talked about – you know, was he being saved up for later in the season? We've talked about big conference games, of which this was one, where Saban sort of shrinks the bench uh, a little bit. And so for Damian to have 19 carries, I think it sort of exemplified that, right? There's a little shrinking of the bench. There was a little, you know, we're going to folk, we're going to put the ball in the hands of those that we have the highest levels of confidence in. And um, we have so many of those on offense that it, it take it's it's hard to sort of parse that out, but 19 carries by Damien stands out to me. No, it does, and um, so I just was happy for him that you know he was able to to do that, and um, I just wanted to touch on you know uh, Tua for a second. I, I think that there is something there with the knee. Obviously, yep. we're not going to know because you know we didn't even know Jalen had ankle surgery, right? 
Um, so just how things are kept to the vest. Um, but, you know, he missed on a throw to Irv Smith at the beginning of the game, uh, which, you know, he's human. But um, there was a couple times where when he was moving in the pocket due to the speed of the LSU defense, you know, he didn't get to – he. When you slow-mo it, you see he's not really planting uh, with that right foot the way you would if you were 100% healthy. And so right. there was just a couple balls, like the ball to Ruggs across the middle that you know could have been called pass interference that was thrown behind Ruggs. It was a really, really uh, hard pass to catch. You know, I just think that he was shuffling in the pocket and Pierce Parker got pushed into him, and so he has to slide over and he can't really plant with that right foot. And, and get the ball, you know, th- delivered to Ruggs where he normally does. And so he just – he threw a couple balls behind guys. You know, Ruggs made a phenomenal catch uh, earlier in the game on, on you know, a throw that was thrown behind him. So there's something with that knee because it's affecting his delivery a little bit, and I think it affected his, you know, his stats in the game. Yeah, I think so too. I think that, you know, one of the least – biggest surprises or, or the smallest surprise or no surprise at all, or Stevie wonder can see it coming kind of things that, that, you know, that I would put out there is the week after we, the week after Alabama stops playing, which hopefully is, you know, in January, uh, the week after that game, the, you know, the headline that you could write now is, you know, two has minor surgery, uh, on, on his knee. Um, I just, I just think that's yeah, they'll, 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 yeah, they'll call it cleanup surgery, right? Yeah, we yeah, need to yeah. Clean up a few and, things, and it's not uncommon for it's not uncommon for that to happen for players to have that. I think we see that a lot. I don't track it at other programs, but it seems that at the at at the end of every season, you know, there's a couple of guys that have you know some cleanup surgery and they're out for a day or questionable for a day or a you know uh, spring practice that kind of thing, and so. You know, one of the headlines that I'm that I would be least surprised to see is that he has some cleanup surgery in mid to late January and is questionable for spring practice. And you know what? I'll say it now. Okay, <laughs> I don't. You know, I don't want to say I don't care that I'm. That, that I, but you know, like from a from a perspective of roster management and players and all of that, then I'm not concerned about it. No, absolutely. He we're okay with him not being. Not not playing in the spring. It's okay. He, yeah, he's exactly. he's he's earned that. Yeah, well, so, I mean, we know what we have now. <laughs> no, 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 absolutely. Um, the um, I was trying to think as far as what what else. Anything else jumps out at you uh, on offense? You know, Najee went down, uh, and it looked really really bad uh, when he did. He couldn't even you know get to the sidelines, uh, and it didn't look. It looked more like a foot than it did um, than it did an, an ankle. And, you know, he's, you know, here's a guy that is a really tough, you know, hard runner. I think he would have gotten a hundred yards. He was, uh, you know, he was up to 83 and his average was, was, uh, you know, more than double that of Damien's. Um, I think he would have gotten to a hundred yards as well if had, you know, had he not uh, had, had to go out. And, and here's a guy that missed significant time, you know, multiple weeks in fall camp for, uh, for a foot injury and a guy that, and we talked about it on the show a couple a couple of weeks ago, you know, was walking out of the stadium uh, in a walking boot. And so I think he probably, probably spends a lot of time in a walking boot between games. And so I think he probably really, 
you know, sprained or disrupted a pre-existing injury. And, you know, there again, minor foot surgery cleanup in late January for Najia would not surprise me. And so, um, but yeah, South- probably won't see him in a day either. No. Right. And that's fine. Yeah. That's, so that's okay. Yeah. And so, you know, here's another guy that I think is going to be okay uh, to play as the season goes on. And, um, and, and we'll see him maybe more in limited duty, but that's okay because Damien's as fresh as they come, uh, you know, at this point and Josh Jacobs and, you know, <laughs> Brian Robinson is looking for an opportunity to carry the ball. And so I think that we're going to be okay, you know, there in, in the running game, but uh, good to hear that, that his injury was, uh, you know, again, not season right. ending. Yeah, yeah. Not season ending. Cause, right, you, exactly. Cause when he walked off the field, you know, dragging it, you, 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 you I definitely was wondering, okay, is he done? Yes. So, um, and, and I would, and, and while we could use him at Mississippi state, um, you know, I'd, I'd like to see if they could just get past Mississippi, you know, they have a lot of depth, like you said. So yep. hopefully maybe we don't see him Mississippi state and then we don't see him Citadel and maybe we don't see him to Auburn. Yeah. So, I, yeah, I think, I think if we could, if we could get to that with limited carries between now and then, I think that would be great. Uh, I think Tommy would be, it'd be remiss if we didn't talk about the offensive line, uh, I'll sort of let you unpack that where where you necessarily want to go. But if you take an LSU defense as vaulted as as they were, uh, I know they're missing their best pass rushers been out all season. But I thought the offensive line, um, I thought they acquitted themselves well against a uh, you know such a name brand defense. I think so, and you know uncharacteristic of Alabama teams in the past, right? For you know a quarterback to drop back in attempt 42 passes. Yes. And so, you know, we used to talk about if the, if the Alabama quarterback was 20 of 30, it was a good day. Right. And so that would be what 15 attempts in the first and 15 in the second. Well, you know, he attempted 42 passes and we talked about the fact that this offensive line seemed more comfortable in pass blocking. Yep. And so that plays into their strengths. Right. And um, I, I will say from the running game standpoint, uh, they had a lot of success with, you know, their tight ends, um, specifically Hale, uh, being able to, you know, being able to, uh, I, I guess, more misdirection uh, running formations where I, I don't want to say it was a true trap, but but he was kind of the pulling guy from the H formation, yep. uh, from the H tight end, and he would pull into the hole and uh, or kick out a guy. And uh, I thought Hale had a really good day, and no no offense to the lineman, but 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 he was helpful as well uh, in when they had success running the ball. Yeah, I think so. I I I, I I'm either going to step all over your mini game ball, or I, I'm going to you know call someone out for uh, you know for good play. But I thought Deontay Brown, um, you know, stepping in for Lester Cotton, he did get the start. I was absolutely watching for that. He did get the start. I thought he played very well, and I think he cracked open some holes uh, that the that the running backs benefited from as well. So I think he looks very good there in in a starter uh, position. And and I'm not mad at Lester uh, or, or Lester Cotton. I just think that that just means players continue to develop, and it really shows that we have more depth. Uh, because Cotton could go back in, I think we'd feel comfortable. Matt Womack could go back in, I think we'd feel comfortable. Uh, you know, we've seen uh, a sub there at the center, and and so I think we're developing depth. I mean, I just had a name block on 
on dude but uh, uh i think we've got we're seeing a lot of depth uh sort of develop and emerge and that's a, i think a hallmark of you know every team you know it's a cliche every team gets a little bit better as the season goes on yeah and then some don't and then but to see individual players and even to the extent that they're shuffling of starters uh on such a you know an offensive line cohesive unit i think it just speaks to the mantra and and sort of the process approach that Saban has is you know Starters are not locked in. We're not, we're not, you know, it's not a scoreboard. It's not a day one roster. It's not a day one starting unit. We're going to get better every single day. And then that will be reflected in who plays and who doesn't. Um, and I think, you know, and I think that is not at the high level, but at the granular level, that's how Nick Saban teams get better over the course of the season. And I think we're seeing that, uh, you know, um, and I'm, I'm in, the, in the person of Deontay, but we see it at other positions as well. But uh, I, th- I think, um, anyways, I'd, coming back to the offensive line, I, I thought he played well. I thought the line as a whole played well. I do think they did. And um, I thought Jedrick Willis, you know, we, we or Jedrick Wills, we, we've talked mm-hmm. about him some in the past few weeks. Um, you know, I, I think he is improving. And, you know, which is why you don't see Womack out there yep. uh, because he's continuing to improve. And so the, the other guy you were talking about is, you know, Chris Owens, yes, you know, yes. for Pierce Bacher. And, you know, we've seen Scott, we've seen Scott Lashley, you know, come yep. in at, at left tackle. And so they, they are developing some depth here. Uh, but overall, for in years past, an Alabama team who typically sees their quarterback drop back 25 to 30 times. If a quarterback in years past would have dropped back 42 times against this defense when we were three yards in a cloud of dust, there would have been four or five sacks, right? I mean, we would have been playing into LSU's hands by having to pass the ball that much is what I'm saying. And so to go into this game and to attempt this many passes, and LSU was was intent, which which I also thought was interesting, they never came with six. They, they sometimes came with five, but a lot of times they would bring three guys with their hands in the dirt and they would bring a, a corner or a safety off the edge. There was a lot of times that they said, we're going to try to – we think we can get to you with four. And so I tried to count how many times they brought five, Dave, and I don't think many times they even brought five, much less six, uh, because they were they were keeping so many guys back to you know make the passing lanes harder for Tua. Yeah, and 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 they did. They there were a number of times where they did make it harder, um, but you know he's a tough quarterback to slow down, and and it did I think you know give us an opportunity to to run the ball. It it felt like we were more intentional, you know, running the ball even with forty two passing attempts. So I, the balance, um, I think the balance that we demonstrated and which kept them off balance. Um, I think was was significant because we still had some quick strike, but we were still we're going to line it up and run it down your throat. And and how do you defend both of those? That's that's tough to do, and not many teams can do both of them. We're going to line it up and pound you, and we're going to throw it down the field and quick strike you. Not necessarily just off play action, but just because that's we can do that too. No, absolutely. All right, so man, what else do you have on offense before we do mini game balls? No, I like, uh, you know, I like Irv Smith's uh, touchdown catch. Uh, that was a well-placed ball. That was a fine catch. But, uh, um, no, let's take us to uh, take us to many game balls. 
All right, so uh, you did steal mine. I was going to give it to Deontay Brown, uh, but you can you can chime in as well. But um, we had a, we had a we had a we had a write in email for Deontay and and uh, and I replied back to the guy. I said, "Well, he's not my pick, but he might be Tommy's." And so I'm glad that you got him. And I'm sorry I jumped all over him because it's all good, man. No, it's it couldn't go unstated. But no, put on another layer. Well, I will. I will say though, you know, I could have also given it to Hale because granted, Hale is yep. a headliner, but you know. Hell was very significant uh, in several blocks that he made to 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 spring uh, to spring Damien, but but no Deontay Brown uh, for him to step in and 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 getting the playing time that he's getting, um, he brought a very physical presence to this game, and uh, you know they they've got a very good defensive front, you know as, as you know. Uh, their nose tackle, um, you know, obviously, you know, knows Tua from years back at, you know, you being from Hawaii as well, but transferred from Texas Tech. And, you know, th this guy, uh, this guy was a hands full inside. And, um, you know, they, they, they always, they always bring a very physical front and um, they had their hands full. Obviously they, they do three down linemen as their base formation, but, but Deontay Brown, uh, I thought was, his physicality came out in this game and it was definitely needed as they were controlling the the line of scrimmage. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I, you know, I think it's amazing with almost each passing week, the, the world of college football and its intersection with Hawaii, um, you know, clearly to, uh, uh, you talked about Brandon, I'm a butcher's last name, Fioco, um, you know, from Hawaii as well. Uh, the, yeah, the Ole Miss quarterback. Yep. The Ole Miss quarterback, but even even the um, Dave Aranda, the uh, defensive coordinator for uh, LSU, coached both Fioco and Tua in a camp when they were like ten year olds, um, and he remembered them both, which speaks to you know what sort of what Their they were able to demonstrate sure. at that age, right? And then yep. uh, yeah, and then the LSU quarterback, and there's uh, uh, not that we like talking about these guys, but UCF I think has a quarterback from Hawaii as well. And so I just think it's interesting to see all of these overlapping stories of, of players from Hawaii and, and maybe we're only paying attention to them this year because we have, uh, you know, a Hawaiian quarterback. I don't know, but I just, I find that interesting, but, uh, absolutely. Well, well who are you going to give your mini game ball to? So I'm going to, I, I'm going to do one of those Tommy things where I'm going to go like a name brand player, but there's a little, like little sliver that is is the mini game ball. And so I'm going Damian Harris uh, for my mini game ball. And look, he's the starting running back and he ran for 100 yards uh, and all of those things. He got a, got him, you know, a touchdown. I am not giving him a, a mini game ball for those things. I am giving uh, Damian Harris a mini game ball for that one play where for an instant he turned into a defensive back. And for all of our praise of Tua and his play, boy, he let a pass fly uh, that was to Damian that was that was just off the mark. And the the linebacker that was covering that was covering Damian was just his lie, his eyes were lit up like you know Christmas. And had he picked off that ball, he probably had a clear runway uh, for a touchdown, you know, certainly out there in the flat, it would have been hard to, uh, hard to catch him. And Damien just reached out and flicked that ball away, uh, you know, defending that pass. And it was at, at a point in the game, first half, a point in the game where that type of quick strike touchdown 
was exactly the momentum that a team like LSU needed. And so I'm giving him a mini game ball for a play like that that will be lost to history. Um, you know, when you shut out a team, it, may, it feels like they had zero uh, chance to score. Uh, and that play will absolutely be lost to history. But that was a critical, I think, uh, play at that point in the game that uh, that helped certainly uh, save points and keep a possession alive. So mini game ball for that one play, Damian Harris. All right, so you blew up the mini game ball rules, uh, of course. Oh, uh, so I I'm did. proud. I'm proud. I did. So I'm proud. I'm proud of you for that. So uh, you found a way to exploit the rules. So I like I, my that. inner, that's my my inner, that's my inner Tommy coming out. I like that, man. All right, so let's flip the field to defense. Um, we we've already we've already started a little bit thanks to Quinn and Williams' performance. Um, but uh, what what else jumped out at you uh, on defense in this game? Because obviously they were facing a quarterback who, you know, it's so interesting before the game, they say two has thrown 25 touchdowns and no interceptions, and Joe Burrow has thrown six touchdowns and three interceptions. <laughs> and, um, uh, what you know, they LSU ended up dropping him back and attempting 35 passes. They also talked about how Gary Danielson wanted him to run, and uh, they tried that a couple times without any success. Uh, but what, what jumps out at you on defense? You know, I think that um... – you know, I was kind of emailing or, or texting with our uh, our Swedish correspondent, and uh, uh, and you know he was indicating indicating that you know this feels like sort of an old school game. Uh, you know, where Saban is, is sort of it's the Python effect where he's just sucking the life and sucking the air out of, out of the opponent. You know, where the defense is carrying carrying the game, and I think I think there's a lot to that. I think that. Um, you know, we held them to 12 rushing yards on the game, uh, you know, negative rushing yards in the first half, you know, a buck 96 total yards. They had the ball for, for 24 minutes total. Their time of possession in the, in the first half was, was just minuscule. And, and we were just, just completely just wearing them out. Uh, I think, I think, you know, the defense, and I have sort of a counterpoint to this as well, but I think the defense really had a chance to show itself in a way that, other games this season, they haven't. They've been sort of the secondary story to, um, you know, to an, an offense that puts up 50. Uh, well, here's a defense leading a shutout, um, you know, against a number three team. I think they got some of the headlines that maybe they they have been wanting. Oh, absolutely. And, and like you talked about, though, we were able to get pressure on them you know, in part because of how, you know, we talked about Quentin Williams and what he can do in the middle of the the pocket, which is, you know, has to be just a nightmare for for offenses. Um, but, you know, how many years now have we been able to say, uh, even with the great running backs of the Derek Geises and the Leonard Fournettes of the world, you know, here we are interchanging all these players, you know, leaving after their junior year. And so once again, you know the LSU comes in wanting to run the ball and they're they're just not able to do it, and uh, I just you know that that's why five of these shutouts in the past twenty two years, five of the six have come at the hands of Alabama because you know you weren't able yet again to run the ball, and I just think it's so interesting how years after years you know they have some really good tailbacks and you know we we are just able to control the line of scrimmage and. You know, Saban, you know, Saban brings in, you know, defensive coordinator after defensive coordinator and, you know, new staff and new players, et cetera. But it's the same old play. We're watching the same play on, on unfold in front of us, man. Right. 
Let me ask you this. I'm gonna I'm gonna take I'm gonna take a little counterpoint, right? And so, you know, I I just praise the defense, and I and I don't take away from that. But let me just let's look at this for what it is, right? This was LSU with a terrible, terrible offensive game plan. You know, Tommy, you talked about them wanting to establish the run. I don't think they wanted to establish the run. They had 25 rush attempts on the game. 12 of those were Joe Burrow, which most of that was him scrambling to save his life. Five of those were sacks. And so of their 25 rushes, not all of them were authentic, you know, power, run the ball, running back uh, type type rushes. Their, their lead uh, running back, Brosette, you know, had very, very few carries on the game. Instead, instead, their game plan was to line up and throw the ball 35 times. And again, that's the pass attempts they had. The sacks were pass attempts as well. They just don't count there. And so they they completed. And, and guess what? Joe Burrow is Joe Burrow. He was 51% passing on the day. Okay, Tom, here's who Joe Burrow is. On the season, he's averaging 53.5%. On home games, 54.7%. Away, 50%. In September, he was averaging 53.4%. In October, 54.3%. In the first half of games, 55.6%. In the second half of games, 50.5%. Within conference, 54%. Non-conference, 51%. First down, 56%. Second down, 53%. Third down, 48 and on fourth down 66%. And so it's it's almost like they looked at it and said, "We're just going to play like it's fourth down all day." Tom, is that not the dumbest game plan you've ever heard of? Is our defense is the Alabama defense really really that good or was the LSU game plan stupid dumb? Oh, I think the game, you know, the game plan was dumb as because of because of who their quarterback is. He did make a couple nice throws. Um, obviously, their best receiver, Justin Jefferson, you know, had six catches for 81 yards. And so, you know, he had a good day uh, and and connected on a couple nice passes. Um, and so, interestingly enough, of their three receivers, you know, their, their leading receiver had six and their next two guys only had two catches each. And so, LSU teams of old would have ran the ball, would have shortened the game, right, and would have tried to keep it close. And LSU teams of old had game managers like Burrow. And, um, you know, it's been discussed that Burrow was under 60% completion so far this season. It's been discussed by many people that, you know, he's just not the guy to get it done. Uh, Gary Danielson even just said at the end of the game, he said, or at some point at the end of the game, he said, you know, Ed Ordron probably just knows that he just doesn't have the horses, however he said it, I'm paraphrasing, to, you know, to 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 hold up with Alabama. So it makes you wonder if because of how proficient the offense has been and because of how many points they score and because, you know, the margin of victory at half to, uh, the margin at halftime is, you know, after, excuse me, after the first quarter is 21 to four. It makes you wonder if LSU got brought out of their game plan because of how successful the offense has been. It makes me wonder if they said, we've got to get in a shootout to have a chance here, even though we don't have the weapons and the quarterback to do a shootout, we have to try. 
that's fair, but I think as the game unfolds, you have the opportunity to evolve that. And and look, it, it, you know, going into going into half with um, with two minutes. Look at this: two minutes and fifty-five seconds left. LSU had the ball, so two fifty-five left in half. On first down, they run the ball. Second down takes place at two minutes and fifteen seconds. So they burn forty seconds off the clock. On second down. They drop back five steps, take a sack at the one, at like the one foot line, and third down happens at two minutes. So the sack, the loss of yards, the near safety took 15 seconds off the clock, whereas the run took 40 seconds off the clock. On third down, they run. Alabama calls timeout. We get and and so LSU punts with a minute 54 on the clock. So they burned 40 seconds on first down, a run. They burned 21 seconds the other three downs. Alabama takes over scores in 27 seconds to, to get it to 16, to get it to 16. And so it's nine. It's nine. And so you are literally at halftime. You are at the doorstep of halftime. It's a nine-point game. If you're LSU and you are honest to your heart, you say this is more than we ever could have dreamt of. Let's keep it at nine, go to half, regroup, and all they would have had to do is just run the ball a couple more times. They got cute. They got fancy. They stuck with what they thought was this contrived game plan that they knew they couldn't execute, but everything went their way. And then they it's, it's almost like they pissed it away right there at half. And when it got to 16, I was like, this thing's over. At nine, eh, I don't know that they get to nine, but at 16, there's no way. It's done. It's done. They went into half having nailed their own coffin by by that play series right there, convinced of it. Oh, and 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 you know, and their and their best player, right, that we talked about, right? It, you know, Devin White is just, you know, chomping at the bit to come in. And so him coming into a game nine, nothing is very different than him coming to a, into a game Absolutely. 16 to nothing. Yeah, Absolutely. That should have been part of the plan is in, 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 and, and look, and Gary Danielson said as much right. several times. Right. And what's the old saying? You know, everybody's got a, you know, Mike Tyson, everybody's got a plan until you get punched in the mouth. Okay. That's cute. Right. Everyone's got a plan until circumstances change. And that doesn't always mean getting punched in the mouth. Maybe the circumstances changed significantly in your favor. And so now, hey, now we can do something a little different because we have the opportunity to take this to half at nine points. And we like our kicker and we like our game plan. And we this gives us the opportunity to go back to really who we are. We can go into this game fresh start. I mean, think about if you're the coach and you're able to, to give that message at halftime versus, oh, we just stepped on our dicks here at, at and gave them a touchdown that they never should have touched the ball. Well, and and to your point, right, they, they deferred and gave the ball to Alabama to start the half, to start the game. And Gary Danielson was like, you know, yeah. I'm surprised yeah. they did this. They, they, they gave Alabama an extra possession. So to your point, okay, because – they're a team whose quarterback had played in eight games and only thrown six touchdown passes. They could have gone into halftime nine to nothing and said, okay, now we're going to come out in the second half and we're going to run the ball and we're going to try to make this a nine, seven ball game. 
Right. You could say that we've weathered that, right? Not only did we weather not having Devin White, but we gave them an extra possession because we wanted to put, you know, and you dress that up however you want to. We wanted to put our best unit on the field first, right? And and then we wanted the opportunity to come out at, at half with our adjustments and, and all of that. And so you could say that we've weathered all of this and it's a non-score game. And, I, you know, I know that's a two-score game, but – you know, it's a touchdown or field goal, and that's doable. And and you have life, you have life if you come out at half because that's better in their heart of hearts. That's better than they ever could have expected. But when that touchdown happened, and it happened in two plays, two chunk plays, Alabama scored and you know made it a 16, which you know you could call it two scores because you know the the extra points. But in reality, you know that's that's borderline of you know, two and a half score game. Right. And, and I just take, uh, you just, you almost just uh, the exhale, like, ah, uh, that's what happened. And that's what we were afraid of happening is them scoring in chunks. And it, it just happened. And how many times, you know, if you will coaches say it's those last minutes before a half in the first minutes coming out of a half that dictate the outcome of the game. There you have it. Oh, absolutely, man. And and I'm glad we were on the good end of that stick. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Because how many times have we not been? How many times have we seen a 14-point shift, right, where we trip the ball away and let the opponent score going into half, and then they get the possession coming out of half? I mean, we've let, you know, Western Kentucky do that to us, right? I mean, go back and look at the, look at the, the list of teams over the years that we've let get back-to-back scores, you know, couple of field goals or a field goal and a touchdown or worst case, two touchdowns. I mean, we've seen it. We've seen it. We've talked about it on this podcast. And so to be, you know, always want to be on the good end of that. And, you know, here we were, but yeah, LSU had an opportunity to make that something and, well, and just run, and, and, all, run out the clock. Well, I will say very quickly, just as you like to say, to put a bow on this it and, and they, they didn't learn it in the locker room either. Because they could have come into the locker room and said, okay, we wish this wouldn't have happened and, and it's now 16 to nothing, but the game is still not over, right? We get the ball first and let's, you know, let's pep up the team and we get a score here and it's 16 to seven. But how well, much dude, of that? No, you could have, but doesn't that ring hollow? Doesn't that ring hollow after what it could have been? Oh, sure. But, but, but when they came out of half, first down, they run the ball to the 28, second and seven, right? LSU teams of old on second of seven can still, you know, can still run the yep. ball, right? Yep. He gets sacked by Quinnen Williams for a loss of seven, and now it's third and 14, and you get Alabama in their matchup zone, and and you're not going to get many third and 14s. So now three plays and you punt. So my point is, is even coming out of half, okay, they they still were intent on on having this, you know, guy who lacks the mobility that he needs to have and, and is a game manager – you know, drop back and and try to you know do what he can do passing the ball. I, th- they came out of the second half the same way they went into the half is what I'm saying. Yeah, so. yeah, no, that's fair. That's fair. Um, give me, uh, what else on defense or you want to go mini game ball? You know, I'm just gonna say that some of you know, you know, I, I guess I would be remiss real quick if yeah. I if I don't talk about just how how well Anthony Jennings played. You know, and his pressure on the quarterback. You know, I want to talk about Christian Miller and his uh, impact on the quarterback. Um, you know, <laughs> the the segment of time where they where they got three offsides in a row, uh, and I think two of them were on Christian Miller. Yep. You know, 
kudos to Saban for letting him go back out there fairly quickly. <laughs> yeah, because I thought he might be on ice for a little while. Um, and then and then just Mac Wilson's interception. You know, we we've talked about in his career of his ability, you know, to be that nickel linebacker. And and I was just so thrilled that that he got that pick and he went up and and you know just put his body out there because he landed on the he landed pretty hard. And, um, you know, LSU before that had, you know, had gone for a field goal down by 22. And I think it was because they just didn't want to be shut out at home. And so when Mac Wilson, you know, read that uh, play in the, in the hat between the hashes and was, you know, in zone coverage and, and dropped back and and read the quarterback and made that acrobatic interception for a big guy like that, uh, that was just an awesome play. Yeah, that was an incredible play because you know that at at that point, you know, it's you're playing for style points, right? If they get that touchdown there, then, you know, you know, whoop de doo it's 29 to seven, right? It doesn't out, it doesn't impact the outcome of the game. Alabama's won that game, but man, that zero looks a whole lot better, you know, than, than a seven would have. And so uh, the fact, and the team knew that too, right? You could, you saw how excited they were when, when he made that play. And then just how deflating it was, you know, it just seems like at that point it was just the ball rolling downhill for, for LSU. And so they just about, you know, trying to move the ball and do something. And, and then that happens. And so just so darn deflating. And there's only so many times, just this human psyche, right? There's only so many times that you can, you can, you know, pump up with, with anticipation and then it have it, have it go the other way. And so I think the start of the game you know, they were pumped up. I, I go back to half. I think that was very deflating. Uh, and then, you know, there's an opportunity, the field goal, they missed that. And after all sort of the heap and praise of, of, you know, we like our kicker better than, you know, your kickers. And we'll talk about that, but you know, that was deflating. And then this was just like, ugh, are we even that good? You know, it's, it's, it's almost, you can almost feel that that's what they were saying. And then you certainly saw their, their fans, uh, you know, Exit the stadium <laughs> at that point. Absolutely. Well, give me your mini game ball so you won't take mine. Well, I should just throw out a whole bunch of list of names here, hoping I trample all over your mini game balls because uh, I'd circle two guys. Um, and, You're not going to get mine, though. It's safe. Go ahead. Okay. Well, I circled two guys, and uh, they were Anthony Jennings and Christian Miller, and you couldn't just take one of them. You had to take both of them. Uh, but I liked – they they did – what, and they didn't have big numbers. Uh, three tackles. Um, you know, Jennings had a had a sack. Christian had a sack. Christian only had a sack. You know, one tackle. But their pressure and both of them, you know, almost like a beehive. You know, rushing off the edge and 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 just being a nuisance, right? And affecting the quarterback in in sort of the parlance of Saban. And they were doing what we envisioned them being able to do, right? How many, we've seen them make plays, we've seen them, but we've not seen them consistently be a nuisance to the offense. It, it To me, it feels like like they were Saturday night. And that was just fun to see them sort of be who they're intended to be. Um, and I, I just enjoy that. So I give them many game balls for that. Okay. No, that is fair, man. They, they, uh, they, they definitely affected the quarterback, right? Which yes. we, which we talk about, you know, so much, well, I'm going to give mine to, uh, your boy, Shane Carter. Okay. 
Um, just just him stepping up when when LSU was running on the edge when they did decide to run the ball, and him stepping up and 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 basically uh, holding the point, holding the edge, and uh, making the play in the backfield, and you know. <sighs> Trevon Diggs is a really good player and, you know, he, he's, you know, apparently gone for the year. And so we talk about next man up and, and Carter had to be that guy. And, um, you know, just like we've talked about with some of these other players and they're not being a drop off, uh, like a Jalen Waddle. Well, kudos to Carter, right? Cause we talked about, we talked about other DBs who have shied away from competition and have transferred to you know away from Alabama and gone somewhere else because the grass is greener somewhere else and you know this guy has this guy has waited for his time and and he has has you know is a true junior and uh, is getting his chance to play and the star is his position right now and he's got quality he's got guys behind him that that would like his snaps and sure. uh, just and just kudos to him that that right now um, teams have not found that to be something they can exploit. I'll say it that way. Yeah, he he's one of those guys, and 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 maybe it's a function of his position. You know, I don't know. Uh, this is common, I guess, of offensive linemen. But uh, it's it seems like he's he's he has one of those rare characteristics in his play that the less you hear about him, probably the better he's playing. And uh, no, that's I, fair. No, I, that's I, fair. I think that's an interesting sort of quality, but I, I get that. My, that's my sense of him. And and look, I've had confidence in him from from the beginning that he was going to be one of the guys that was going to man a position. Uh, and we start when we talk about secondary, we lost six guys, and we're looking to replace, you know, six guys because we play a lot of nickel and dime. And so Shy was one of those guys that I knew he was going to be in there, probably in the top four. So he's a full time guy. Um, and he could have played a couple of different positions and has. Um, and so one of the guys that that I think we've had confidence in from the beginning and playing with a lot of confidence, a lot of comfort, uh, with a lot of ease back there in the secondary. And uh, yeah, I think that's a that's a half hats off call. Uh, I think we've got to say the names uh, Savion Smith and Dylan Moses uh, both have roots uh, in Baton Rouge. Both had six tackles. Both were active. Uh, both were over, uh, I want to say overly excited, but they were maximum excited level for the opportunity to, to play and win that game in Baton Rouge. And so I didn't know if you were going to go with those guys, but uh, I think they at least deserve uh, some shout out for that. Um, no, abs- absolutely. Well, man, let's let's go to special teams real quick. Um, LSU did a good job of not giving Jalen Waddle the opportunity to to do anything. Yep. Um, they 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 did a um, they did a good job. You know, Alabama had no kick returns as as well. Um, just um, you know, very frustrating. Um, very frustrating on the two missed extra points, and it allows the you know it allows the. Between that and the between that and the punting, it allows the media to, you know, to the Gary Danielsons of the world to say, hey, if they get in a tight game, special teams is going to be an issue. Yeah, I think so. I think that, you know, I think that that there were no, you know, Waddle didn't have a big day in, in a return game, and I'm going to tell you that's probably the least surprise that I've got going. Right? If you take if you take a uh, a loaded team, a very talented team that is motivated to play like an LSU, then you're going to see a lot of fellas on, on special teams 
that are going to contribute, that are going to make plays, that are going to, you know, do what they need to do. And it's and and that's exactly what they did in their coverage units. They were on time, they were on point, and they didn't allow any yards. And that that you know that's probably the least surprising thing that that happened. Um, but the rest of but but I'll say this, and and this is this is a metric that speaks to how poorly our special teams played. That Waddle fielded the ball cleanly uh, nearly every time and helped retain possession of the ball. And and it's unfortunate that that's probably the highlight of our special teams. <laughs> Well, absolutely, man. And, and, you know, on the, on the first missed extra point, you know, uh, you know, Mac Jones just didn't handle it. Right. And, um, and then to, you know, to come out of this game with two out of four missed extra points is, is definitely frustrating. And, and uh, I'm sure that, you know, that will continue to be, that will continue to give Saban a source of pointing out to, you know, this team's not perfect and, and we, we have things that we still need to work on. Yeah. Do you feel better or worse that one was just a really bad kick and then one was a really bad, you know, hold? I mean, do you feel better that, oh, I, at least I can explain it? Or do you feel worse that it's like, damn it, it's so many things? The hold is, you know, hold's going to happen, right? Um, and and Mac Jones, you know, um, you know, redshirt freshman, you know, you're, you're you know, Things are just going to happen. Yeah. Um, that one you can explain away if it happens one time every now and then. But the other one, you, the other one, you just have to roll your eyes. You can't explain that one. Yeah. What about uh, Mike Bernier and his punting? You know, I think he 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 didn't hit the forty yard average uh, that you know that 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 we need him to do. Four punts for thirty two point eight averages. You know. And I and, and I had I didn't get a chance to go back and look at you know you know exactly you know obviously no touchbacks none inside the twenty um, you know the on the surface the thirty two point eight you know definitely uh, you know definitely the week before you know definitely two weeks ago was a better game for him. Yeah, I agree, and and you know I I I, I know at least one of his kicks was sort of semi. Uh, situational in, in which you're trying to pin him in and he wasn't able to pin him in and 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 that's going to happen about as many times as as it doesn't happen that, that you're able to pin him in unless you're you know jk scott level of punter um and so that's going to lower the average but you know he didn't pin him in and his long was only 36 so you know, it's almost like Burrow is going to be a 52% passer, and that's all he's ever going to be because that's all he ever is in any setting or venue or time frame or snap count. You know, that it is what it is. And so, you know, the long of 36, I was just hoping that, you know, if he had a 32 average, pinned him inside the five once, and then had a 45, a long of 45, then you could say, hey, he's sort of running the gamut here. But, man, that long of 36 – I know his long, you know, I know he hit two right at 40. Um, I just wonder if, if that, I don't know. I Maybe I just don't know enough, but is, is 40 sort of his amped up max? Did we see more of what we're going to get? I don't know. Probably more questions than, than answers there, but I think it's, it's, it's telling that Saban when asked about his kickers, is I mean, if you were asked about linebackers, you know, and I'm not mad at linebackers, but you know, if you were asked about another position, you could see him sort of get a streak of fire 
uh, talking about it. You know, we've got to coach him up. We've got to do better. It's effort. It's this. It's that. And he, you could see an edge to it. But when he talks about kickers, it's almost like, you know, Mr. Rogers, you know, it's he, he has a very soft gloves. Well, they kick it so well in practice and they just needs to get over the hump. And and, you know, it's, it's going to take a little more time. But but we really like our guys and we've really got a lot of confidence into them. And it's almost like he's playing. Uh, it's it's more of a mental thing than it is a physical effort thing. And you could almost you could you know, it would be it would it be the dichotomy of how he talks about one versus how he talks about the other, um, you know, because he doesn't want to sort of blister them and wear them out and and sort of burn them. Uh, and and I just I find that curious. I find that interesting. Uh, but um they're just not performing. <laughs> well, here's what I'll tell you real quick. I, I had not had a chance to break it out, but his first punt was at the was, you know, the line of scrimmage was the LSU 34 and it was a touchback. So I'm sorry I misspoke there. His last punt was from the LSU 40 and he punts it 29 yards and they fair catch it at the 11. So he what, you know, just the, you know, that was okay, right? So that one that one he was trying to if you can pin him inside the 10 and he did the 11, that's okay. The first sure. time it went to the the first time it was a touchback. I think what uh, what jumps out at you though is the other two punts. Um, one time he punts from uh, the Alabama forty three yard line. Well, here we go. The first time, the second punt, uh, it was fourth and eight at the fifty, and he only punts at thirty two yards, and they fair catch it at the eighteen. Yep. So if the line of scrimmage is a fifty, you, you need to try to do a little bit, you know, better than than eighteen there. Um, and then the other punt. Uh, this one here, I think, is the telling one. His 36-yarder, the line of scrimmage was the Alabama 43. And so his last punt of the day is from the Alabama 43. He punts at 36 yards, and they they fair catch at the 21. Yeah. So those, to me, are the telling ones. One was from the 43. One was from the 50. And, you know, now, they were not returnable. I will say this, right? None of them were returnable. And so the fact that the 40 from the 43 and from the 50 were fair catched at the 21 and the 18, at least there was no return yardage. So, so once again, right, that's better than the alternative, right, of a 12 yard punt and a 12 yard return. So I'll just say right now that, that overall, you know, dissecting this a little bit more, you know, is there room for improvement? Yes. But essentially you had a touchback. LSU started at the 11 and the 18 and the 21. So looking so, at that way, Dave, I think it's okay. So the, the silver lining being there was no chance that he was going to overkick his coverage. Correct, and and they and they didn't and they didn't return the ball, right? So that that's a positive. So, all right. So I know you. I know you. Um, so let, let's we talk find about, them where we can, right? No, absolutely. So I know I know we wanted to talk about you know the week ahead. So kind of give me your thoughts on Mississippi State. You know Mississippi State. I'm glad we get them at home. Um, I'm glad that our next three uh, games are are at home. Uh, you know, give the players an opportunity to get off their feet Friday afternoon instead of you know shuffling through uh, travel. I think that is I think that's great. Uh, I think Mississippi State is a team that always plays uh, physical. Uh, it's a it's a um, you know it's sort of always for them it's always a big game. I know that sometimes we look past. Mississippi State, but I think they all. I think it's always a physical. It's always a hard fought game. The fact that we play them at right after LSU, I, th- I think you know that always sort of contributes and is a factor. I really like Mississippi State's defensive front. That might be about all I like about Mississippi State. I find that they are 
Um, you know, they're six and three on the year. I I sort of christen them as as LSU light. You know, Joe Burrow was is the uh, statistically the uh, next to last uh, quarterback in the league. Fitzgerald and Nick Fitzgerald is the worst statistically quarterback. I won't run through all the numbers like I did with Burrow, but where whereas Burrow's had you know all everything fifties, uh, Fitz has a lot of forties, and so I think I, I think it's going to be kind of like the LSU game where at, at no point are they really a threat to outscore us in in terms of them scoring quick points. Uh, a pick six is about the threat that we'll get. Uh, and it's just a function of how would their defense stand up against the Alabama offense, and what sort of point total do we look do we look for? Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw uh, a thirty six to three, uh, maybe a forty two to seven kind of game. That's what I look for out of Mississippi State. Well, what's interesting, man, if if we just wanted to look at the numbers, you know, both teams have played the Raging Cajuns, and uh, Alabama's final score was 56 to 14, and Mississippi State beat them 56 10. So that's supposed to mean this is an even game, right? I mean, both teams are equally as good, right? That's but, yeah, exactly what that means. <laughs> but, but then what I think is very telling is they lost to LSU 19 to 3, right? And we just talked about LSU's offense, right? So they lost 19 to 3, and, and LSU was able to hold them at home to, to three points. But what I think is what I think is very interesting to me is um, if you look at the if you look at the fact that that both of these teams played you know a good Texas A and M team right mm-hmm. Texas A and M gave us a challenge right well Mississippi State uh, playing Texas A and M you know they lost twenty eight to thirteen and so Texas so Texas A and M was able to put twenty eight up on them and and they put twenty three on us the difference is is to your point about their quarterback and their offense, they only were able to score 13 against Texas A&M, and we scored 45. So that, to me, is it in a nutshell, right? Those two games, the the two like opponents of Texas A&M and LSU makes this very telling. And so, you know, I, I think this is probably going to be, you know, I, I'm going to say that, I'm going to say this is going to be a 42-7 game. Okay, okay. We both we both put that, that number out in uh... – Put that number out there, and I, I think that's about right. I think that, in you know, and if we score most of those in the second half, I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if it's, well, I was gonna say most. I wouldn't be surprised if it's twenty-one to seven at half. So I, I guess that that would be half. Or I mean, I, I'd probably be surprised at fourteen to seven, but twenty-one to seven, I wouldn't. And then you know, we roll out in the second half and put up another twenty-one. I wouldn't be surprised at that at all. Well, this should be a game that that we should try to get Damian Harris, you know, back on track, and then let uh, Josh Jacobs and Brian Robinson come in and 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 take care of business. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. All right. Well, I know you. I know you had a. I know you had a couple things from from some listeners that you wanted to touch on. Yeah, let's uh, let's spend a minute doing that. We've gotten uh, some some reviews, some five star reviews on the uh, on the iTunes and, and again we really really appreciate uh, the kind words some of these are just just really flattering and certainly these uh, helps us rank well and uh, it helps other people find us so we really really appreciate them I'm gonna hit this one really quick I don't know if I covered this one last time or not but uh, this is Bo the third uh, he's saying by far the best Alabama football podcast available these guys do a great job very insightful they go into a, uh, every detail on uh, aspects of the game, and he was asking for a um, 
uh, a recap of the national championship game. But, Bo, we really appreciate your kind words. Uh, we've got uh, well, some of these names. This is myself, 009147. I have no idea. Uh, but uh, very flattering. They give a roll tide, a five-star, and there is not a better breakdown of sports in the world, uh, which that is uh, – that's, that's We appreciate very, the comment. Absolutely. Is. Uh, I am going to mispronounce this one. It's A's, it's A-Z-A-L-M-D-F-L. So um, I, I'm not going to try to pronounce it, but uh, okay. <laughs> but this one is, uh, this is by far the best podcast on Alabama football, hands down. I enjoy the weekly game analysis provided by Tom and Dave over the past two years since discovering them. Uh, it's been six months since the national title game. And I checked the feed hoping for uh, a show. I uh, understand you guys are busy, and this is a side project. Uh, hoping you guys will be back for next season. So hopefully this person, we appreciate the five-star that came in back over the summer. We appreciate the the five-star review. We appreciate the, the kind words there. And uh, we did a little bit of something um, pre-game, uh, pre-season this time, and, and mentioned that one, but we really appreciate it. This is Mike uh, Almo. Uh, Almo giving us a five-star roll tide. Uh, just found this podcast recently. Great insight on players and Bama program. Good stuff. So that's awesome, Tom. We got people that are just now finding us and enjoying it. Uh, and then we got people that have been listening a while. So that's awesome. Absolutely, guys. We appreciate you listening. Please email us your thoughts. If there's something you want us to talk about on the show, just please let us know and we're happy to, to cover it. Absolutely. We got a couple more, but we'll pick those up in a, in a future show. Uh, but uh, go out there, leave us a five-star review and, uh, you know, a candid review. Leave us a candid review and uh, we'll get you on the air as well. So we really appreciate it. But as Tom said, we really appreciate it. Drop us emails, drop us questions, uh, reach out to us. We're so happy to engage with uh, the Tide faithful out there that are listening along. Um, but uh, Tom, this has been another big week. You know, all the, I guess all the joke is we still haven't played anyone yet and uh, I'm cool with that. And uh, look forward to a strong finish to to the rest of the season. I think it I think it's material that we play these games at home. It's not like having a bye week, but it it does reduce the wear and tear. It does reduce that the effort, sort of the mental slog of having to travel. We got the Citadel in there. That'll that'll in some regards feel like a, a week off. So I think the the second you know this little segment here of the season is really going to set up well for us. The team needs to focus down. I think we are our own biggest opponent. And um, I like uh, I like the track that we're on. What do you think? Absolutely, man. This is um, you know the we've punched the, you know Alabama's punched their ticket and Georgia's punched their ticket for December first, and so uh, this gives us something to you know to keep focused and 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 keep working towards. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, hey, this has been another edition of the Alabama Football Podcast. Roll Tide. Thanks for listening to the Alabama Football Podcast. We love that you're tuned in and hope that you enjoyed the show. We encourage you to reach out and let us know what you like, where we can improve, or just to shout out a roll tide. We are where you are. iTunes, Facebook, Twitter, email newsletters, T-shirts, free roster downloads, and of course, on the web at alabamafootballpodcast.com. Check us out where you'll find easy links to your favorite way to follow the tide. Got that, Coach? Of course. Roll Tide.